What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Good morning. Good morning. Or good morrow to you, sir. Yes, good morrow to you <laughs> as well. It's always nice to kind of change it up. We normally record on like Thursday nights, but every once in a while we record on a week on a weekend, and that's on a weekend morning. And it's a nice, wonderful Sunday morning here Indeed. in Austin. It's sunny. It's perfect temperature outside. Not too hot. Not too cold. Got a nice little breeze. It's a wonderful day. Indeed. We should all be in a good mood. We should be in a good mood. I'm in a great mood. Not people that are talking forced about to games live. today. <laughs> you know, on this here show, Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about, like I said, games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out on Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart, iHeartRadio, and others. You can check out a full list on teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen. You can also watch a video version of each episode on YouTube and Twitch. Those are also on teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen to those links. And they're also in the description below. Or, you know, you're probably already here watching the video or listening to the audio. So there you go. You found us already. So good on you. You can also find us on social media across the web, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a Discord server. Oh, boy. It's a lot of fun. Tell lots me of fun more. people in there talking about <laughs> lots of fun things like more games, like the ones they love, the ones they hate, and everything in between. But finally, we are a completely listener-supported show, so if you are really loving what we're creating each and every week, you can head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, and it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, and in return, we'll give you a cool perk, like getting the episodes early before its general Tuesday release, both audio and video versions, depending on which tier. And regardless of tier, you can also get access to our private channel on the discord server for patrons only the rogues gallery so check that out if you so please patreon.com slash team chat podcast before we jump into the topic of today though let's get a little bit of news about what's going on from mogan in our moment with mogan all right so as of this episode's air date you know we skipped the moment with mogan last week because we had our guest on and we wanted to devote as much time to kingdom hearts 3 as possible which devote time we did indeed one of our longer episodes in a while (laughs) sitting in an hour and a half but you know it was a lot of good stuff quick recap in case you missed it already out now are yakuza kiwami for pc that came out on february 19th anthem for ps4 i was like oh no we totally skipped anthem so anthem for PS4, Xbox Excited. One, and PC came out on February 22nd. And then I believe as of this episode's air date, Anno 1800, A-N-N-O 1800, comes out for PC, followed shortly by Dirt Rally 2.0 for PS4, Xbox One, and PC as well. The Lego Movie 2 for PS4, Switch, Xbox One. They've already made a game for... Uh, I guess the movie's coming wow. out fairly soon. Is the movie coming out like at that same weekend? I don't know. I haven't kept up with that that's at all. That's weird. But that might be... Maybe that's why it's like the same weekend, I Yeah, guess. maybe so. Anyways, the Lego Movie 2 game is coming up for PS4, Switch, and go. Xbox One, February 26th. So is Stellaris Console Edition mm. for PS4 and Xbox One, February 26th as well. And then Deltarune is coming to the Switch on February 28th, closing out the month. Nice. And then one more quick, in case you missed it, and I almost missed it because I'm a bad fan, uh, the much-anticipated Hornet DLC for the Hollow Knight series just got some real big news. That's right, that's right. Uh, so originally it was supposed to come out, I think maybe a week ago, as of when you and I are talking, uh, it was supposed to come out as like new free DLC for Hollow Knight, but Team Cherry, the makers of Hollow Knight, uh, announced that Hornet would be getting her own entirely new game. So Hollow Knight is actually getting a formal sequel. I think it's going to be called Hollow Knight Silk Song, nice. And it's entirely going to be centered on the character of Hornet. You get 
get to play as her. You get to be Hornet. Cool. And she's like the best part and not the best Transitioning part. Transitioning from a DLC into a full-blown game. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so basically Team Cherry, you know, it's just three Australian dudes. So they have a, as much control over their own game as they want. Right. They were uh, basically working on the DLC and realized we have a lot that we want to do and it's not really DLC material. Right. We need a new game out of this. So I could not be more excited. Silk Song does not currently have a release date. Uh, hopefully it's coming out this year. Uh, that's just conjecture. It might not be, but I'm really excited about it. It's going to feature entirely new maps for the game, all new characters, and of course Hornet, who unlike the knight from Hollow Knight, speaks. Yep. She can talk, and it's like, oh man, how much more are we going to learn about the deep lore of Hollow Knight? I'm really excited about it. So Very cool. It's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait. Chop, chop, Australia. Get on, Team, team Cherry. Cherry. Get on it. <laughs> Give us this great game. Let us play. Let us play. Although I still need to wrap up Hollow Knight. Did you ever finish Hollow Knight? I'm stuck between Working like three bosses. Uh, I'm stuck between like the Mantis King or whatever he's called. The Watcher Knights. Just those two. Just hard, Never hard, mind. and hard. Yeah, just, yeah, it's like just worse and worse across the board. So I'm working on it, but uh, it's slow going. I see, I see. So one more news story that we wanted to touch on, and you may be wondering, hey, what's the deal with this? This is already, this is old news. Well, it's not old news at the time we're recording, but it's the time you're hearing it because we had to pre-record this episode due to some travel that we had coming up. But we wanted to touch briefly on the Activision Blizzard layoffs and what a mess Good Lord. that is. It's... And how terrible it is, quite honestly, for all the people who were affected in these massive layoffs that Activision and Blizzard put into effect yeah. for... Who knows why? I honestly you know, it's don't like, understand It seems either. one of those things. It does not make sense. Granted, they've called it a restructuring. I'm throwing pins. I'm restarting. Not today. But I'm just saying for everyone else's benefit. It's, just, it's been a little bit of fun. I'm throwing stuff everywhere. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just so mad at Activision Blizzard. Well, that's understandable. As you because, should be. So basically, they reported last year was apparently record years. Records in their sales and everything like that. You know, their CEO still got paid his nice... His nice bonuses and salaries and all of that jazz. Millions of dollars. Billions of dollars. But then yet they still, with all that being the case, they still decided to have a massive restructuring, which included laying off 800 people across all their studios and developments. Yeah. What? Why? Yeah. And yeah, those yeah. are the two. Qu- what? For instance, if you had a record year in sales, why are you laying off 800 people? It's a mystery. And I mean, I get it. Yes, cut cost. I mean, not, no, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's it's it. It's like it's one of those things you sit back and try to rationalize, and it's like, okay, I understand you made a lot of money, so you want to shore it up, and so you can make even more next year by having less people on your payroll. But I then mean, also, those people are the people who put you into this record sales year. So yeah. that seems to be shooting yourself in the foot. No matter how you spin it, it really just seems like a money grab move. Yeah. I mean, it's just, hey, where can we cut costs so that? Our higher ups make more money. I mean, that's all it looks like to pretty much the entire world. Uh, And a lot of people have been using this as yet another example of the video game industry desperately needs to unionize. I 100% agree. I am very pro union for the video game industry. The film industry very notably has powerhouse unions across Mm -hmm. the board. I feel like the kind of media that video games falls into should have a comparable protection structure for its employees. It's abuses of power like this are very easy to do when you have no system of checks and balances. And that's 800 people that had no advance notice and that just got laid off. Right. Because the rumblings of it, I remembered seeing 
there were rumors like right. a, like and about a week in exactly. advance. Exactly. And so people were just sitting there not knowing. The, the people working for these companies themselves didn't know who was getting laid off. Again, they were, again, hearing rumblings inside of who they thought might be, but no definite answers. And then, yeah, this this hammer falls. And it just is like what you were saying with the with unionization and the need for that. I feel like recently we're getting more and more stories of people – Working in the games industry is just getting walked all over. Either it's through crunch time, massive layoffs, studio shutting. Because think about it. Within the last few months, we've had Telltale Games shutting down and basically leaving all their employees hanging out to dry. But then they still made sure their game got out, you know. And so, and that seemed to be seemed to be what their focus was on. Then we had the controversy of crunch time with Rockstar at the Red Dead Two release right before that happened, and now this. Yeah. Like just story after story, and it doesn't seem to necessarily be showing a sign of stopping unless some kind of action is taken by the people who work in the industry to try to protect themselves because it doesn't yeah. look like the companies necessarily are going to do that much for them. They're not. <laughs> no company cares about its employees, period. Well, it's one of those statements you always hear. HR is not to protect you. It's to protect the company. Exactly. Yeah, and that couldn't be more true for like any industry except right. for maybe well no that's a very wrong statement but it's very <laughs> true it up, it, yeah it back it up <laughs> it is still very true for the video game industry and it just sucks that's 800 people that had the rug pulled out from under them yeah. for what reason and of course the great thing though i will say and not a silver lining necessarily but a still that there is good in this industry and that people do try to take care of each other is that after this news broke obviously several other studios stepped up saying like hey we're hiring anybody displaced by this there's always an immediate in situations like this happen with telltale there are always immediately all these other studios coming out being like hey we have jobs we're looking for people please let's try to like land you guys somewhere to help out. And that's a nice feel good spin, but realistically it's probably not 800 spots worth of employment. No, 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 I'm not saying everybody's getting taken care of. Yeah. Like somebody is for sure getting dropped, but the, the specter of threat is still there and that these companies that are also hiring at the same time, they don't have unions. Right. What's going to happen when they realize that they went a little higher crazy and then they have to fire a bunch of people too. So Which, it I is mean, nice. I'm just, it's like that happens every time. Every other game company that wants to look good is like, oh, we're hiring. We'll take you well, on. I don't, and I don't even know if it is a, a matter of trying to look good or not. I'm sure there is some, there is buried in there some kind of spin in that way. But still, I will just say that is, I don't see that in many other industries. Let me say it that way. Maybe it's because the video game industry is very active on twitter specifically very true maybe it is more public <laughs> it's just than very public yeah but still it's regardless it's always still great to see i think but enough of that enough of that sad story and hopefully though everyone affected by this will be able to land on their feet be able to uh, find something new or you know who knows maybe start there a lot of times new great companies you come know, really, out of the ashes of others 800 so, people that could they start a new studio let's that, do it that really sounds like the ideal <laughs> But now we're going to jump into our main topic. And again, you're going to you're thinking to yourself, this is coming out. Jarrett, Mogan, Anthem just released on Friday. Why aren't we talking about Anthem today? Well, again, I couldn't. Traveling. I actually have just returned from a Bermuda, relaxing on a beach, trying, taking some nice R&R. But because of that, I didn't get to play Anthem when it came out. And so I'm still home, working on that. You're probably thinking, but Jarrett. You're so pale still. I'm always pale. Well, that's just I, because I this, is, this is past Jarrett at yes. this time, and you'll be hearing you from future Jarrett again soon. Beach Jarrett will be giving you a review of Anthem. <laughs> so today's topic is an interesting one because it's going to be kind of a new 
mode for us in that we're trying out a new potential series with this episode. So we got the idea from this from one of our patrons, credit where credit is due, Riven, for giving us the question of wanting us to basically talk about THQ Nordic and these more mid-tier publishers. So we thought this would be an interesting way and an interesting experiment for us to try out going a bit more of a deep dive into a developer or publisher, really, in the gaming industry and just sharing more information about them and how they came to be and what their bigger games are and things like that. So this is a soft launch of a new series that that we'll revisit from time to time of publisher developer spotlights. So... Indeed. So to give just a little bit of background for people that may not be super familiar with how the video game industry is structured, uh, THQ Nordic is what's considered a publisher. So they're not their own developer, they just publish games, and their entire business model from their inception uh, back in 2011, I think it was, has been that they just buy other developers with the intent of presumably helping structure their develop their development, of course, and then publishing their game. So a publisher, in that case, we're just going to pull some information from a super helpful and very old. Yeah, <laughs> this one might need an so update. So some of this is going to be mildly outdated. I'm going to try to not say Xbox 360 over and over again, <laughs> which is the example they use. What is this from? It's like 2006, yeah, right? Yeah, it's called The Economics of Game Publishing. And actually, it's a really cool article because I was like, ah, oh, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. Um, some of this has probably changed. It has obviously been over 10 years. Right. By but now. the core concepts behind the what concept they're talking about is probably not that much changed. This uh, is by so, Ralph Edwards on Indeed. IGN. He might not even be alive anymore. What, 10 kidding. years ago? 13 years ago. <laughs> that or maybe he owns IGN. <laughs> He's the president. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, so the publisher, uh, some of the different roles that they take on in terms of video game development are they do help at least in part with the development itself. So this is not always the most expensive part of what the publisher do does, but one of its core uh, contributions to the game development process is quite literally paying the talent. A big chunk of what the publisher pays for in terms of actually financing the game goes directly to paying the people that make the game, the programmers, the artists, the musicians, designers, producers, the testers, a lot of that money comes from the publisher. So at least one facet of the publishing uh, style is kind of just like capital. They're Mm -hmm. the capital for the developer. So if you're a developer and you're like, man, we've got all these great game ideas, but we don't have the money to get them to the audience that we want them to, you might choose to partner with a publisher for exactly that reason. You need more capital, you need more access to marketing, and you need a broader platform on which to actually eventually launch your game. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely one thing that the publisher does. The other is in case, so this is a a reason that you might partner with a publisher that is. Uh, Let's see here, what else? Um, There are some special cases where the game is being developed by an outside company for a publisher though. So this isn't necessarily where the publisher owns the developer themselves. It might be a totally separate developer going, hey, publisher, I want to partner with you for just this game for XYZ reasons. Right. Usually that they need money uh, or that they need more people, uh, which are really the same thing in video games. People are money and money are people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that Activision Blizzard's tagline? <laughs> so this is something that I thought was really interesting and that I assumed was the case but had never really thought about before is that when a developer partners with a publisher there's a lot to do with 
uh, royalties behind right. the scenes there, which is, you know, you don't think about it, but it's like, oh man, th- those royalty royalties might really eat into your overall profit margins mm-hmm. for both the publisher and the developer, actually. So when a uh, developer partners with a publisher, the publisher may have to pay the developer royalties for the game based on a percentage of the net sales revenue of the game after deductions. So after taxes and shipping, insurance and returns, whatever the publisher gets of those sales is typically only 10 to 20%. Now, only being a very probably not accurate I mean, word it, there 10 to 20 percent is probably a lot big. of total like, sales especially yeah. considering some games like you're looking at the rock at the games by rockstar and everything making millions and eventual billions like billions that's, that's nothing to, to you know turn your nose at exactly and the royalty percent percentage does vary greatly depending on the industry and deals will often include step ups in rates based on hitting certain sales goals or milestones so that's what kind of caught my attention is that the publisher will often advance money to the developer, not based on like a lump sum. It's not like they just give the developer all the money up front. They set development goals for the developer, and then they advance them more money as the developer meets those goals. Which makes complete sense. Which is really interesting, and I agree. It makes sense. It makes sense, because you definitely don't want to hand the developer all this money at the very beginning, and then they just be like, oh, we're just taking our time with this. Like, no, you you are still, at the end of the day, a business. You need to, granted, yes, art-based products like video games, movies, and music, things like that, can very often be a labor of love and, and you're really trying to want you want to perfect it, or really with anything that anybody is creating. And you want it to be perfect, but you still have to hit the deadlines that you say it's going to be. You have to hit release dates. You have to hit numbers to stay effective and to stay in business. And so that is very interesting then that that is how they choose to set these these basically goalposts and milestones for people to hit and be like, Hey, you hit this, we'll give you more, which means you can then do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. Then also that doesn't leave the publisher open to as much risk by having handed off a huge sum of money to somebody else. They can wait to recoup some costs from other games that have come in and different things like that to help push the development cycles of these new games forward. Exactly. But because of all of those complications, it's not always the most common sense option for a developer to simply partner with a publisher or vice versa. Sometimes, you take the THQ Nordic Path, which is a publisher that directly owns a bunch of developers. So it's not like a which one-time is something partnership. we see with EA, yeah, exactly. Even Activision Blizzard. I mean, Activision is the yes. publishing side of it and everything, whereas Blizzard is a publisher slash developer, I believe, but Indeed. more on the development side of things. But EA, obviously, like Respawn with Apex Legends, they're a development studio. EA is the publisher. Right. But because of this and the need to cut costs whenever possible, the publisher might instead choose to make games in-house by purchasing developers. That way they don't have to worry about the royalties percentages. They can set their own in-house milestones with knowing that all of their capital is already behind them, and right. the, the developer knows that too. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about when it comes to THQ Nordic. And the last area that I kind of wanted to touch on was licensing, because this ties very directly to THQ Nordic. We're going to talk about the history of THQ Nordic here in just a minute, but it used to just be Nordic Games. Right. And Nordic Games was like just one guy in Switzerland that was like, ah, yes, video games, money. Specifically oh. Lars Eric <laughs> Olaf Wengefors. What a name. I know. Wait, it. was it Switzerland or Finland? It was Swiss. Okay, Switzerland. 
Well, now um, I'm questioning it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Should have written <laughs> so, that down. So, <laughs> Lars, good old Lars, he was like, how can Swedish, I make yeah, money? <laughs> what did he think of? He was like, what if I bought a bunch of video game developers and just published their games? How about that? Uh, so that's kind of his entire idea back in the day. But so when you buy a developer, a lot of those deals do include the rights for licensing. They don't always. Sometimes when a publisher buys a developer, the terms of the contract may not actually include licensing for their past properties. Right. But in the case of THQ Nordic, that THQ came directly from Nordic Games' acquisition of THQ. And part of that acquisition included the licensing to the THQ name. Right. So all of the games that people would know of being of having been developed by THQ, now they know. So not all. Not all. Because some some did get purchased in by other studios yeah. when THQ fell apart. So maybe we should go ahead and jump into a little bit of yeah. the history of this before we and we can circle back around to this in talking about licensing and different things like this. So THQ was was founded by Jack Friedman in April of 1990. And basically they just worked on a whole bunch of big series. Like let's let's look at this quick list here some of their bigger products that we that we know of. Uh Darksiders, The Blob, Destroy All Humans, Red Faction, Company of Heroes, Warhammer 40,000, South Park Stick of Truth. That's even a more recent one. It is. Saints Row series. <laughs> and this is from listed in the row of their list of art of products on their wikipedia article and even though we never talk about them because we don't play them the wwe games and ufc stuff yeah and the ufc stuff uh obviously jared and i have never really played any of those games at all but they are really popular like people love wwe oh right and people play the games of course so that's something that i when i was uh doing more research on this a lot of people were like wwe games making a comeback so i think that people are definitely excited about that but continue so anyway they go on and they have all this time making all these bigger games and i remember like one of the ones that i don't know why it sticks out in my head because i know i've played other thq nordic but for some reason when the movie came out they did the game adaptation of finding nemo <laughs> and i just remember getting like the wow. demo disc for it somehow i don't even know how and like playing this but uh, for, for some reason that is what thq sticks out in my head i i really hope they hear that i hope that <laughs> no, like, someone hell yeah that finding nemo game i hope that one person at thq that is now thq nordic is like oh finally appreciation for my masterpiece <laughs> but so the same kind of thing though so it, of what nordic is doing now thq kind of did they went through and they bought up and had a bunch of acquisitions and all these different products as well but without spending too much time on it Basically, they started falling into financial struggles early in the like 2010-ish area, and they eventually did file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in December of 2012. They've officially dissolved and closed down in January of 2013. So, and when that happened, they started selling off all of their various IPs to and franchises to different developers and publishers. A lot of stuff got moved around in that, but the big one did go to Nordic, which was still at this point Nordic Games. And then Nordic, like we said, was founded in June 2011 by Lars Eric Olaf Wingefors. What a name! I love it. I, I love wonder it what so his much. friends call him. Probably just Lars. Are you sure? Because I feel like that. The, what's the wingy part? Wingefors. Yeah. That's if I'm saying fun. that right. It I'd, does sound I'd call fun. him Mr. Wingies. Wingies. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a more fun name. <laughs> but basically, so after the and once this company was started, he, like Mogan said earlier. Pretty much started picking up acquisitions as he can, as he could, and all these other studios under his banner and franchises under the banner of Nordic Games. Well, once THQ went under and Nordic was part of the people and they went ahead, let's see, they did, again, pulling this from, where did that go? I had this. 
As you look for that, did you happen to read that Lars Olaf, Mr. Wingies, Ericsson, whatever his name is, his OG start in the video game industry was, I think, back in the early 90s. That would make sense. He started by, he basically acted as like his own original Netflix where he did like mail order games. So in kind of Scandinavia, I guess, you know, maybe in the early nineties, video games obviously weren't as prevalent. So his original business model was even him just like at his house being like, okay, I'm going to package up these games and resell them to people. I mean, he was basically like the Netflix of Switzerland <laughs> for, for video games. games. For video so games. Gamefly before Gamefly was <laughs> yes, a thing. Yes, he was the Gamefly of Switzerland. That's what I was trying so to think of. So basically THQ, they went down and, the, but then as Mogan alluded to earlier was yes that thq that nordic god this is going to be hard i need i need we need to get through this history part so i can quit call <laughs> they can be the same thing uh but then eventually in 2014 is when nordic actually got oh sorry no not 2014 2016 i have my date wrong is when nordic actually officially took over and bought the trademark to the thq name which is going for said was d- due to having wanting to have better brand recognition indeed and uh, obviously, Nordic Games has taken that THQ in a big way. It, they put it on the front of their... Like, I know that it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to the outsider, but like naming and naming rights for any company is a big deal. Oh, yeah. And for them to put the THQ first before their original title of Nordic Games, I feel like that was probably a decision that got hashed out behind the scenes. It probably did. Like drop, de- drag out kind of fighting because why not... Nordic THQ. But also, Why not Nord THQ Dick Games? (laughs) Nord Dick. (laughs) But what if, what if though, my thought on that process though is because Nordic is this publisher of sorts. The games that they're still working off of and they still continue to acquire. In fact, they recently, if I just jump to this other article that came out a couple, well, it came out on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2019. They just developed acquired the studio that did kingdom come deliverance warhorse so they're still bringing on all these other things and all these other ips under their banner but that makes sense then that the majority of the games that they have been publishing such as darksiders is probably one of their more recognizable franchises that they have but that was published under thq so that would make sense then if they are if their goal is to retain the name recognition of THQ that they would put THQ first because they're still mostly at this point still working with a lot of THQ properties. That's true. A very good point indeed. And then I think it was after they even acquired THQ, Nordic Games, what's the other one? Like Silver something? Silver Deep Silver. Deep Silver. They then acquired Deep Silver, which had, I think, a number... I think that's where the WWE titles may have come from. Deep Silver has a lot of big ones. The one specifically in this instance that it was talking about a lot was the Saints Row series. Saints Row, of course. There we go. is now Volition Deep Deep Silver. And then Deep Silver also had a hand in Dead Island games. Ah, yes, you're right. So, you know, obviously one of the big games that's been missing for quite a few years has been Dead Island 2. And so I'm wondering then, you know, obviously Nordic would have is having some play in that now, but because since they have deep silver, but I'm wondering when we'll actually hear something from that. Or is that game just dead? I mean, I don't care either way. Cause I didn't I like the first <laughs> dead, but I don't, I didn't like the first dead Island at all. So that's not like, I'm not like sitting anxiously waiting for dead Island two. It is just strange to me. And it's still is strange when games just go off the radar completely. Well, so obviously that's directly tied to, failure to be received well. Yes. Which I feel like sort of in a broader context might be one of the things we wanted to talk about in this 
topic is that THQ Nordic is entirely focusing on, as we said earlier, kind of these mid-tier developers. Mm -hmm. These games that they're not AAA, but they're also not indie. And I feel like that particular range of gaming has the most room for failure because it's still super expensive to develop games unless you're like a tiny, tiny studio and you're able to manage your money on a shoestring budget very, very carefully like Team Cherry, for example. It can get really chaotic to figure out where your budget is going to go and how much of your money is going to go where and whether or not that'll actually pay dividends. And just to kind of name a few of the... Not this one. This one. So for anybody that's not familiar with some of the stuff that THQ Nordic owns and is presumably publishing over the next who knows how long, we've got Desperados 3, Biomutant. Biomutant I'm actually, very excited about. We actually do know Biomutant by name, but a lot of these that I'm looking at on THQ Nordic's website, I had never heard of these before. Yeah. Like Fade to Silence, Generation Zero. Oh, I, ha- I do know Sunset, Sunset Overdrive. Overdrive yeah. Darksiders, of course. Jagged Alliance. I don't know what that is. I don't know what Scarf is, but it looks really cute. Uh, the Hunter, Call of the Wild. Mm. I don't know what that is. Nice this is the police. Similar. So I know some of these, but a lot of these are like especially the Disneyland Adventures game and the, what is that one? Super Lucky's Tale. Super Lucky's Tale. You little fox. Some of those definitely have the look to me of uh, of like animated movies that get made into games and well, the yeah. games are bad. <laughs> but I mean, because th- that's the thing though. And I, what I think Nordic has done really well is the studios and the IPs that they acquire, I feel like they are making very good choices. For instance, they're taking Biomutant. Like that one's going to be a new one from, an, uh, from a studio that hasn't, put out anything really so that's kind of their first their first go around so they're taking a little bit more of a risk with Biomutant there but that's the thing though they take these risks they have Darksiders which is a successful series and in fact uh, take command here real quick Darksiders 3 actually met all their eternal expectations according to a Game Informer article by Nathan Anstat again February 13th so this is very recent Darksiders 3 meets all internal expectations. And and so quoting the article here, it says, When THQ went down in flames in 2013, Darksiders was one of the flagship series famously scooped up by THQ Nordic, formerly Nordic Games. After five years of patiently waiting, fans were finally given a third entry in the franchise that was always intended to have several sequels. Um, <coughs> but then basically it says the game was released to seemingly little fanfare last year. Which was true. Like a I knew the game was coming out, it, but yeah. I didn't necessarily hear a lot about its coming and going. Which means it has a very dedicated fan base for this to be the case. Not gonna lie, though, what the first exposure I had to Darksiders Three was, I think, like a clip on Twitter of mm-hmm. the gameplay, and based on what I saw with no sound from the clip, I thought Darksiders Three was a fighting game. Oh, and no, I no, was no. like, oh, this red-haired woman is like their Ivy of like the Soul Calibur series. Right. That's what I thought. To discover later that it was not in fact a fighting game i was like how about them apples yeah it's actually very similar i believe it to more of the hack and slash not hack and slash but similar more in style to god of to the earlier god of war games yes. and everything how it plays but so to continue here it says the game was released seemingly a little fanfare last year despite deserving more but according to thq nordic's interim report covering the calendar year 2018 darksiders 3 quote has performed within management ra- management's range of expectations and has recouped all investments made in development and marketing during the quarter which i mean that alone is something to be very happy about right because that means it's a very like 
almost backhanded way to say you met your goals. Exactly. Like if you I mean, read this just just flat out, you might be like, "Wow, that's kind of like a no fanfare way to say good job." But that's the gist: is good job. You met expectations. The game was not financially a failure, right? Which does, of course, set it up for potentially more installments in the series. And this was the first the first stab at the at a ser- game in the series that THQ Nordic had taken. So exactly. it's great to see that they were able to take it on and then be able to make something that the fans were happy with. And again, yes, because they hit their goals and recouped all costs of the to make the game. Yeah, they're probably going to do a sequel at some point. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting then that they they're doing really well with all these different uh, with all these different choices of different series and everything they have. Like they said, uh, some other like smaller indie games that I've heard a lot about. Uh, this is the police is in there. Uh, Record, which is actually one that I want to take that. I want to play that one at some point. Record didn't get super great reception upon its it looks release, fun, though. but it does look fun. And it, b- prior to its release, people were really excited for Record. Mm. So I kind of think that maybe it's one of those again mid tier games that didn't quite get maybe the reception it deserved. But my point is that, and this is similar with any other publisher and developer, is that you make the right choices on some of your bigger titles, such as. Uh, such as Dark Siders and things like that, that allows you to have the capital then to try out some of these lower in- on these some of these indies and different things and smaller games to give them a chance and a voice. And that's where I think, and what Riven was wanting us to point out with this topic is where I think Nordic is thriving right now. Yeah. They are doing it really well. They're not trying to be EA. They're not trying to be Activision Blizzard, which. Good. Good Thanks. for them. Uh, Who knows? Maybe THQ Nordic just acquired 800 new employees, and they're like, "Aha! Look at we us can now." Take on the big boys, <laughs> and so all these different things. And I think that that the nice thing in being smart with their choices and where they're investing allows these smaller things and smaller opportunities to have a chance to breathe and to, for people to find them and to discover them. Because if you like something else THQ Nordic does, you see it's similar with any brand recognition. You see it on something else, you're going to be more inclined to give that a shot and i think that's really great they also have red faction gorilla the red faction series is on there too uh one State that I decay. don't, I don't see it on this list, presumably because nothing's happened with it in so very, very long. But I know from some of the articles we read to brush up on this that one of the studios Nordic acquired at some point included the rights to the Time Splitter series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I loved Time Splitters when I was young. It was one of those games that I'm pretty sure I rented from the library for like GameCube or something, right? And it was awesome, like a really interesting first-person shooter. I do really hope that at some point they bring back time splitters because that seems to be their model and time splitters was a fantastic series that i would love to see brought into the here and now right, right. and so again speaking on the on thq Nordic's success they also along with the success of darksiders 3 they also released their net sales for the last year and this is an article from gameindustry.biz by james bachelor bachelor Nordic THQ Nordic net sales rose. Now this is crazy, seven hundred and thirteen percent to four hundred and forty-seven point six million in twenty eighteen. They now have seventy-seven games in development, including forty-eight unannounced projects. One of those forty-eight unannounced Time Splitters three question mark X. Let's just call it X. X. Yeah, there we go. Time Splitters X. Time Splitters. The splittiest. <laughs> so from the article, for the quote, for the 12 months into December 31st, the company reports net sales of $447.6 million, up an impressive 730% year on year from $55.1 million. Good Lord. And that's I crazy. I do think that it cost them around $150 million to acquire THQ. I think that's what they paid for THQ. So, return on investment, they're living it. Mm-hmm. That investment clearly paid off. So, 
golf clap for them. Well done, well done. Well done. So this has really been a pretty interesting look into a little bit of the foundation and the you know and what Nordic built its business on to eventually become THQ Nordic and what their plans for the future are, which they're on a great track right now. Their sales numbers are there. Their, their old IPs and franchises are consistently doing well. And so they've got a couple other bigger things coming out, like we were looking at Dark Side, not Darksiders, Desperados 3 and Biomutant, which I talked about in the earlier episode this year. I'm very excited yeah, about. Yeah, Biomutant looks like the more fun of the two that we know are coming out in 2019. I think Desperados uh, 3 is slated for summer 2019. Right. Biomutant is coming out this year, and it looks like, we talked about this before, it looks like if you could be the Palicos from Monster Hunter World, exactly and then you just like. get to like go on adventures. Yeah, I want to continue to just look like a palico, though. I'm not personally going to do much mutating. I'm going to stay like small and cute. But uh, that looks really fun. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. And so this has been a fun first dive, like we said at the beginning, of starting this new series that we're looking at, coming back to every once in a while, of doing a highlight on a specific developer. And thanks again, Riven. For or in this case a publisher, uh, for, thanks again, Riven, for bringing up, up this topic and giving us the idea to do this series. And so hopefully we'll come back. We'll come back with some further iterations of this series. But it was a fun first dive. I like this Indeed. to learn because it was a it was a fun. You know, we talk about a lot about the games we play, and we have a lot of knowledge on that. But this is the stuff that I feel like. Me, you know, me and into both of us to some extent could probably benefit from knowing yeah. a little bit more of the background and the history of these businesses. So I, hopefully it's as fun for everyone listening as we discover all this new stuff as it is for us to discover and want to share with you all. And hopefully they learned something. Hopefully you did learn something. <laughs> but, you know, obviously we wouldn't learn much without that good old article from 2006 from IGN. Yeah, so go ahead and get better read, you know. Give them more you clicks because they, they schooled us and hopefully they can school you too. But it's been a fun dive into this. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which Mogan had prepared from us from a recent entry in from the most recent Nintendo Direct. What's this game called and what's so its music? the song title? I don't even know what the title is. All I know is that it's the music that played in the trailer for Astral Chain, mm. which is the new game coming to the Switch from Platinum Games. Platinum Games did the Bayonetta series yep. and Nier Automata. And this track, I think people that love the music of Nier, you're going to instantly be like, oh, wow. From that what sounds you played like, a little bit before we started recording, yeah. you played and what you've played for me of Nier Automata. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Automata. But, Automata. Sorry. You always say Automata. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so this I is the tra- whatever it's actually called. This is the trailer theme one for Astral chain there we go <laughs> official title official title <laughs> all right well with that then that concludes this episode of team chat podcast once again we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into thq nordic and their upcoming games and releases and business practices let us know what you thought of this episode in the comments and everything below but again find us on social media facebook twitter instagram our discord channel check us out at patreon.com slash team chat podcast and of course subscribe to us around podcast services around the world wide webs itunes Travel Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course YouTube and Twitch. But until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song. <laughs>